I would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a Mozart opera, which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. <laughs> this is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises. 
Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which, of course, indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in. He is supposed to meet his soprano, as they usually call those ladies. <laughs> but she's a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. So when she arrives, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. <laughs> now, he's... now, she doesn't know that he is there, but, uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it during rehearsals. <laughs> Whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which, for the occasion, hides her. <laughs> to a certain extent. Now, the chorus comes in, but nobody knows why except Mozart, and he is dead. <laughs> and that's just too bad. Next... Your father comes in, and he is a very old man. And he is very angry because apparently she is not his daughter. He has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to do. <laughs> and with that, the opera ends, and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. He walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. <laughs> this, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. <laughs> We have in case we shoot one short of bloops. But that has never happened, so we have a lot of bloops left over. Now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives. He's a little tall fellow. He comes in. He comes in from the left in a single file. behind the tree right away. <laughs> now the leading lady arrives. She is supposed to fill the part of the soprano. Now she not only fills it, she overflows it a little bit. <laughs> She's a big husk, a big, uh, uh, she's a big soprano, that's what she is. She's what we call a messy soprano. <laughs> she's 
She comes in in a single pile. <laughs> she also arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. behind the other tree. <laughs> she can hardly wait because... Uh, see, she is... She supposedly hasn't... She hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just... She's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. The light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. <laughs> Because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. <laughs> right? Here they come. Bread and butter. Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. <laughs> this is a mixed chorus. <laughs> Bread and butter. <laughs> now they're out, they get the money and go home. Next! A baritone comes in and sings, Torre ador, torre ador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. <laughs> now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso. almost now told her what he had to say and she understands him quite well so now she prepares herself to die but before she dies she sings an area the so-called die area <laughs> Very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. 
Eine Erstaufführung von die Zauberposaune, Oper in ein Akt von Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Three depressing love songs. First from Russia, the song of the peasant whose tractor has betrayed him. Моя трактор, 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 моя тр
Second from Norway, the song of the gnome slighted by a dilatory troll. <laughs> I got here a couple of notes. Wagner was born by Leipzig, 1813. He grew up a little crazy, but he wrote a couple of good tunes. First, to give an idea, here's a little song from an opera about Sieglinde, who is married to Sigmund, but she's his sister. Who would believe that? So here's a tune from that one. It's called Gideon Horsey. Sure. Well, next summer, he wasn't playing the horses no more. He was writing an opera, the titled Lohengrin. And this one, some people got married, and Wagner wrote a little music. They could walk in the church while the band was playing it. Today, they still play that tune, but they play it on an organ. But in Wagner's time, they didn't have one. All they had was trumpets, trombones, drums, piano, flutes, oboe. Maybe they had organ, too. I don't know. I ain't looked it up. He was a little crazy in the head already. Sure. 
Wagner also wrote Götterdämmerung. You should excuse the expression. It's too complicated to explain because when... Well, you see, Siegfried was a big, handsome anti-Nazi, he claimed later. And Sieglinde, the Alberich, Fafne, well, the, the Nibelungen with a group of fellas. Brunhilde says to herself, Ho, yo, to, ho, and Siegfried answers, Ho, ho, schmitz mein Hammer. Erda, on the other hand, says to Wotan, Weicher, Wotan, weicher. You know something? Wagner was a little crazy in the head already. Sure, that was the magic fire music. You know, when they play this music in the Metropolitan Opera House by New York, on the stage, they got fire there. It ain't really fire. They got steam there, schlitzing through the pipes from the basement with the red lights on it. Looks just like fire, but it ain't. <laughs> that Wagner, well. Now the orchestra's playing the forest murmurs music. In the forest is talking two birds. One tiny little bird says to the other tiny little bird, Was ist die Bekreuzung von des Begsnämtnische, Fühliche, Schnüdenschließenden, Reißnissen, Gesängen? In English, this means about the same thing. Except the other little bird don't speak English. Listen carefully on the music, and Mr. Green gives you the birds. Sure. Now comes a very interesting development. In the bottom of the Rhine River is a lot of gold. A bunch of maidens live there, also dwarfs, who are in the Rhine. The dwarfs are called the Nibelungen. And like I said, they're protecting the gold. We're coming to a joke. The first maiden is called Miss Rheingold of 1502. That's the joke. Sure. Well, that's as low as we go. Wagner wrote a couple other pieces, but they don't fit in the jukebox. He's got one number about Tristan and Isolde, but we ain't got it. All we got left is the end. quiet town just south of the Mexican border there lived a lovely Juanita a banana grower's daughter she longed to sing at the opera but her father laughed and made fun still Juanita would sing each day in the fields as soon as her work was done
Juanita moved to the city in search of fortunate fame. It didn't take more than a couple of songs. She had won the world's acclaim. Her father was astounded. Is Juanita Banana a star? He burned down his trees. He moved to the city. And he bought himself a guitar.
Yes, and welcome to the smooth sound of Bitslap. I'm your host, KBC, and tonight we'll be dealing with civil marching music as played by some of the best big bands of the day. Meanwhile, uh, I thought you deserved a break this week because, you know, I've been pushing you kind of hard with the 365 Project and all that food last week. I'm still burping from it. Uh, So I thought we'd have a nice relaxing thing before we start to spiral down the hellhole towards the holidays and beyond. All right. So we started out, uh, well, it's supposed to be an opera show, but uh, not enough opera, but plenty of classical stuff. Started with the 1712 Overture. Of course, P.D.Q. Bach, uh, the diseased mind of Peter Schickley. We heard from Victor Borga. 
and his version of a Mozart opera, any Mozart opera will do. Uh, Mock Mozart was Peter Ustinov from 1953. If you were really quick, you could have caught Anthony Hopkins on the harpsichord. I I didn't. I missed it. Uh, Let's see. We heard Henry Morgan uh, on Wagner. Wagner. Uh, Juanita Banana. was Tiny Tim covering the Peels only hit. Uh, We'll hear from the Peels in a little bit. Okay, don't worry. I haven't forgotten them. And then Ima Zumek. Not so much opera, but boy. Huh. What a range on that gal, huh? And speaking of range, we heard from Ivan Rebroff. Did that not take your breath away? There was something called The Legend of Twelve Thieves. It's a Russian folk song. Uh, Rebroff himself uh, was from Germany and could sing in just about any language you could give him. Uh, and died in 2008. And, whoa, what a range, huh? So anyway, tonight we take it easy, sort of. Uh, you know, we're going to pretend to be adults. Put your suits on if you feel like it. Maybe a bow tie or two. And uh, have a glass of wine, all right? Meanwhile, let's just uh, enjoy this stirring conclusion to whatever this is. Dylan's back with the biggest surprise of all. He's learned to sing, sing real good and real high class. He's singing opera, that's right. It's Bob Dylan at the Met. Hear Bobby singing Oreos from Scorsese, Coppola, B-Day, all in Barbarian and German. It's just like the 60s. You can't understand a word Bob is singing, and that's when he's at his best. It's a beautiful album with pictures of Bob wearing a turban, a cowboy hat, a yarmulke, and a crown of thorns. And who's that singing the love duet with him from Car Wash? Joan Baez. Jim Neighbors. So if you're a Dylan fan... And who wasn't? Here's one record you won't have to take to church and smash with a hammer. Available at Crap's Last Tapes, the Cutout Circus, and all 93 shoplifters markets. It's Bob Dylan. At the Met. Working around PDQ box music as long as I have, uh, there's one trait of his which has rubbed off on me more than any other, and that is uh, plagiarism. Uh, this Podlebet was a piece which had not a single original theme in it. It was uh, all quotes from other pieces. It was uh, combinations of Beethoven's symphony with uh, T for two and... And the piece was so successful, everybody went out whistling the tunes and everything, that uh, <laughs> I managed to persuade the uh, producers of this concert to uh, let me put on another one of my pieces, uh, which I uh, also wrote. And uh, this piece is uh, called The Unbegun Symphony. Now, you may notice on your program that it only has a third and a fourth movement. Uh, This is because I was born too late to get a chance to write the first two movements. Uh, So it it, it is the Unbegun Symphony. Now, it used to be called the Pathetic Symphony. Uh, Now, these names, as you may know, like the Jupiter Symphony and the Eroica Symphony, are usually not given by the composer. They're given by uh, uh, friends or the um, musicians and stuff. And uh, this uh, name, the Pathetic Symphony, was uh, given to my piece by... uh, some of my old friends. Uh, well, I have a new set of friends now, and uh, we're calling it the Unbegun Symphony. Uh, so I won't say anything about it except that uh, uh, be prepared to hear things that you've heard before. 
Well, let's let it go at that. Thank you.
Sabia, perdoe-me no nosso medo que sofrimos, me pego no vida pregna a Deus, pero minha secula secularum, epi de liquie. Serve santique per iudice vivorum et mortorum per factorem tuum per factorem undi per eum. Vicavet potestat imitendi tenge genna muta poc famulia tuiam nequit ecclesium recurrit cum metet exercito forraisti pessinos dissedas. Adiuro tenitero, cede igitur cede. Non mihi, set ministro Christi. Sittibit terror corpus homis, sittibit orbido imago dei, imperativit eo, imperativit eo spater, imperativit eo spiritus sanctus, imperativit martyrum sanctus, Imperativi pia sanctum et sacrarum omnium teracessio, imperativi cristiani fine misteriorum virtus, exi ergo transgressor. Entschuldigt mich! Exi seductor! Bedauer, ich muss euch unterbrechen! Nun! Was ist mein Wort? Ich Maßnahmen nötig sein. Der böse Feind aus viel Gewalt aus euch heraus getrieben werden. Einen Weg aus dem Exorzismus. Jawohl, mein Kind, es gibt einen Weg. Erst wies Asmodeus.
And now here's a grand message from Campfire Light Records, a division of Mammoth Marketing. Friends, Dr. B. Baxter Basil here, M.D., College of Eclectic Medicine, L.L.D., D.D.T., L.P.N., and member National Geographic Society. And this is Mrs. Dr. B. Baxter Basil. Hello, friends. It's so wonderful to share this moment with you. Thank you, Mama. Sit down, Mama. Friends, are you the big buffoon when party conversation turns to grand opera? Does Saturday at the Met mean snooze time around your home? Believe me, I know how you feel. I took Mama to the opera once. All it was was a great big woman built like a government mule, screeching at the top of her lungs in some foreign language. Then they all ran around and run each other through with rubber swords, and they called that culture. It was so disgusting. Thank you, I Mama. Just couldn't Sit down, do- Mama. Well... We thought that was it for us as far as Grand Opera was concerned. However, I was recently retained by Campfire Light Records to promote their new 8-track collection, A Side of Opera. Suddenly, I saw the light and you will too. At last, Grand Opera that the average cowpoke can understand. Just listen to this. Mo Figaro, 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 Mouse. Oh, where'd you put the keys to my Seville? Yes, the incomparable side meat interprets the great masters. I'm the barber, here's your bill. Oh. Yes, great music and sidekick lingo, none of that Italian or French gobbledygook. Dory, dory, don't spit on the floor. Use a cuspidori, that's what it's for. Oh, yes, Verdi's back and side meat's got him. Oh, I knew Pagliacci. He was no Liberace. Yes, you get all these great operas and sidekick lingo for only $9.99. And if you act now, we'll also include the great Chuck for tonight aria from Mozart's immortal composition, Cozy with Tootsie. Mariah beans tonight. Cook them until they're right. Coffee and biscuits too. Served with a roadkill stew. Rectory, fill the bill. Oh, and you can eat your bill. So bring your appetite. Oh, that's Chuck for tonight. Sit down, Mama. Friends, delay not one minute. Let this fabulous music fill your home. Order your personal late track set of a side of opera today for only nine ninety nine. And here's how. Here's how to you too, Doctor Basil. Oh, sit down, Mama. To get your exclusive eight track set of a side of opera, delay not one minute. Call one nine hundred O Figaro. That's one nine hundred zero Figaro. And remember, this is not a toll free call. Hey, Pavarotti, easy on the biscuits. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. The Mikado briefly opens with a chorus of Japanese gentlemen on the stage, rhetorically quizzing the audience as to whether one knows who exactly they are. Quote, if you want to know who we are, we are gentlemen of Japan, so forth and so on. At this point, a wandering minstrel announces that as his major avocation, he is a wandering minstrel. This proclamation is received by the company with mixed feelings, the most prominent of which is indifference. All right already. 
Oh, yes. Sometime later, the emperor appears. He is, by the grace of the shoguns, emperor of Japan, king of Yokohama, president of the Diet, and a crashing boar. The chorus sings, quote, bow, bow to the emperor of Japan, and so forth and so forth, from which I imagine we get our quaint custom of bowing to the emperor of Japan. Quote. <laughs> Oh, yes. Uh, there's also a chorus of Japanese people who sing in their native tongue, Miyosama, Miyosama, and some other drivel and so forth. And it involves that the minstrel is actually a prince. What a novel plot. Who, in order not to marry Cuttershaw, is engaged to marry Yum Yum, and is also scheduled to be beheaded by Coco. I rather think those are all assumed names. Oh, yes. At this point, there's a dialogue between someone and a dicky bird. The gentleman asks the bird why he's sitting where he's sitting, and the bird, quite rightfully, I think, ignores this invasion of his privacy by answering willow, tit willow, and so forth and so forth, which may be some sort of code or may be what any bird would answer to such a question. Quite. <laughs> A number of other things happen in the Mikado which are not terribly important. The proper people marry the proper people and so forth and so forth, and it ends quite fittingly, I think, with a finale. This manages to bring the proceedings to a dead stop. Quite. <laughs> opera's greatest star who would think a banana grower's daughter could ever go so far that loneliness soon filled this young girl's heart no more did she long for the cheers and toward the end of every performance Juanita would break down in tears
sadder with each day. One morning she just packed her bags and went back home to stay. If by chance you're in her village, near the field she loves to roam, chances are you'll hear the greatest voice the world has ever known. Rosita Tomato, the second cousin of Juanita Banana, worked on a grape vineyard all her life. Her job was to dance on the grapes each day until there was enough wine to fill ten barrels. When Juanita Banana became a great opera star, Rosita Tomato got jealous and decided to become a famous dancer. So she washed her feet, put on her first pair of shoes, and moved to the big city. few weeks, Rosita got her first chance to appear before a large audience in a very important dance contest. The music began. Rosita walked out to the middle of the stage, but became terrified. She couldn't move. The people started to laugh and shout and throw things at Rosita. Her heart was broken. With tears running down her beautiful face, she slowly began to walk off the stage. But as fate would have it, she accidentally stepped on a grape that someone must have thrown at her. All of a sudden, her feet took flight. She started to dance better than she ever did. She was sensational. The crowd screamed wildly, Viva Rosita! Viva Rosita! She was the greatest dancer of all. I travel around a whole lot, friends, and I see all, all manner of different things all the time. And uh, here the other day, I seen one of them ballets, Swan Lake it is called, and it's, it's pretty, just pretty as it could be. And them women sure can broad jump. <laughs> and the fine part about it, the fine part about it is that, that they, the, the steps that they do have got these French names. And every time they take a step on that stage, it means something. Now, this Swan Lake opens up on this young prince that is having his coming-of-age birthday party. And all the guests come up, and they are doing a step called the Pas de <laughs> And that's where you circle your foot three times and kindly kick up high. And that means there's going to be good times had tonight. <laughs> 
and we may be up till three. And while they was a party trying, all these swans come up on the stage. And the princess party tried right over to them and was just before a killing them swans. When all of a sudden, as if by magic, there was one of them, you see, that was wearing a great big gold crown. And that swan turned from, from a swan into a beautiful young girl. And she was doing a step called the, the rounds of jamba. And that means I am a girl. And she was too. And so, so right off the prince knowed he was in love of her. And he done a step called the fouet. And that's where you hold one finger up and one hand down and just kindly turn and look. And that means I think you're the prettiest thing I've ever seen and I want to kiss you. And he started to. He started to, and the girl, she done a step called the party dough. And that means take your cotton-picking hands off of my shoulders. As it, as it turned out, as it, as it turned out, as it turned out, all of them swans was really girls. But they had had this curse put on them saying they couldn't never be girls again until some young boy would give his life for them. And so when the prince learned of it, he done a kind of a manly leap that meant, I will, I'll give my life for them. And so this great rain come and it rained and it rained and it rained and it wasn't no ordinary rain. It was a frog strangler. The, the water, the water kept coming up and a coming up and a coming up and it got up about chin high and then they done a step called the supersont. And that's where you get up on your toes and wave like that. And that means I am drowning. And they did. They did. They all drowned him. The boys and the swans and everybody. But they all come to life again. And that's what makes it such a pretty story. They all come to life again, and the boys, they were still boys. But the swans, they was all pretty girls. And the prince, he married that, and that was wearing the gold crown. And the rest of the boys, they took their pick of what was left. <laughs> and they wound up the ballet doing a step called the uh, Assemble à la Quartremer à la Derriere. <laughs> and that means, friends, that means... That means save your Confederate money, boys. The South's going to rise again.
But my lover, you make me suffer. Oi, mein Meier, please hear the sea. Oi, mein Carmen, du kennst mir warmen. I take from my shaitel, I down to my little old gutkis. And my tzatzkele, I'm really mishigit. For your tacos and enchiladas, please hold me tight. Why not tonight? I want to make me your passionate love. Listen, honey, child, often if you can excite by me the Alta Bene, then it's Kim Chidira Mazeltov. I love you so. Ho, ho, ho. Please come a little closer. Oi. Oi, mein Carmen, don't stop the music. I'm your fabulous boy. Oi, my killable, you'll be in my gedanken. And from that behavior, I'll make flunken. Oi, Carmen, I'm no hero in the ring, Tucker. I won't be safe. Besides the flesh is trained. Okay, there's a timeout on the orchestra pit. Let's get in here and stop it. Uh, we started out with, uh, let's see, another thing from PDQ Buck, uh, and that was his uh, Unbegun Symphony, kind of an original composition, just like the other one, sort of, uh, stolen from all kinds of stuff. That's that's original to him. Uh, we heard from Christoph Penderecki, I guess, well, he wrote it, uh, or conducted it. I don't know who did the singing. That was called Exorzizote, which means we exercise, we exercise you, we exercise you to hell. Yeah, right. Anyway, I like the, uh, the baritoneness of that one, too. That was kind of scary. Uh, let's see, the Riders in the Sky, 
uh, a side of opera. Um, Henry Morgan on the Mikado, uh, featuring the Bernie Green Orchestra there. Here's a, here's, a, here's a weird story for you. I took Bernie, I took um, Henry Morgan for five bucks at poker once. Proud of that. He never forgave me. Anyway, Juanita Banana number two was The Peels. This was not the flip side of Juanita Banana. This was a follow-up single. And uh, we heard the other side of it, which was Rosita Tomato, also by The Peels. And uh, pretty ragged if you ask me, but that's the way it goes. Andy Griffith, another uh, review of his from for Swan Lake. A whole lot of Sonata was Paul Gilbert. Uh, Ragging on a uh, Mozart piano concerto number K330, the third movement. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That was that. Uh, anyway, also Mickey Katz uh, and a thing from Carmen. Uh, Zoriador, TZ, spelled TZ, Zoriador. And of course, this is uh, George Rock and Spike Jones. Okay? Um, okay, so uh, that does it for this week. I'm going to be back next week. We'll be. Uh, I don't know. I have to figure out how to mix Christmas stuff in. So I'm just going to do one show, and the rest of it can just go fuck itself. You know, I've I'm, I've done my part for Christmas. To be honest with you, uh, except I haven't put my lights up yet. All right. So anyway, um, see you when we come back. I got another one for you. This one is just this one is just pure gold. All right, and it's another thing from the master himself, Victor Borga.